Alright, my new walkout music. Yeah. Hey, you know, today is Palm Sunday. And this is this is the day where we come together and we remember Jesus making that march to the cross to die. To die for those who um, would identify as in Christ Jesus, as followers of his, um, to really rescue those who um, were, were known as sinners in need of a Savior so that they might receive this new identity as saints, as saints who are blessed with every spiritual blessing, who, who are chosen before the foundation of the world, saints that are loved and adopted by God, who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, saints that are lavishly, lavishly forgiven by God, and, and saints that, that enjoy uh, the unity that is ours with God and, and other followers of his, now and forever. And so, so Jesus came, and this morning we come um, to really celebrate his, his coming his death, his resurrection, and the, the impact of that. And this morning, we're going to look at this inheritance that he promises us. If we are truly followers of his, if we are in Christ Jesus, and we're hopefully going to see how these words of Stevie Wonders come to be a reality in our life, that we are truly signed, sealed, and delivered in him. So um, with that, we've been in a series, if you've been uh, absent from us, then you've been missing out. It's been five weeks that we've been looking at um, who we are, our identity in Christ Jesus, who God says we should be. And to do that, we've been in Ephesians chapter 1. We've been looking at verses 1 through 14, and we've taken a little chunk at a time. This morning, our focus is going to be on verses 11 through 14. But as always, I like to begin at the beginning, and we're going to start with one. I'm going to read all the way through so we have the proper context. If you'd like to follow along in your church Bibles, it's page 1156. 1156. So beginning at verse 1, focusing on verses 11 through 14 says, to the saints, oh, first of all, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, these are the, the focus verses, beginning in verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, 
When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And can I just tell you, just like when we were singing, how good God is. Like, God is so amazingly good. And, and I've been reminded of that as we've been going through Ephesians here, just how good God is. That he, he talks about lavishing us with his forgiveness. That he, he says, I've got every spiritual blessing available to you. Like, I just want to overwhelm you with my love and my goodness. And, and what is so striking is as I've been reading through that, um, it's all in the midst of our own rebellion. Like every single one of us have been rebellious toward God, and yet he still lavishes us with forgiveness. He still overwhelms us with his goodness and his grace. Isn't that amazing? That's how good God is. And I've been convicted in the midst of that of my own arrogance sometimes with how I approach God and how I view God. I think... Um, Sometimes myself and others like me believe it's we who actually choose God instead of God who chooses us. And when you think it's all about you, then you begin to, to address God differently. You think God has to answer to you instead of you answering to God, right? And so I've been confronted by that. Um, oftentimes people like, like myself and, and others like me, we, we think that um, it's really up to us to choose our identity, when in fact it's God who chooses our identity. He's the one that bestows our identity on us, whether we want to embrace that, acknowledge that, or not. And so sometimes we tend to be a little arrogant, and we miss out on just how amazingly good God is. We make it too much about us and not enough about him, because when it's all about him, the only response is humility not arrogance. It's humility, not arrogance. And so he, he wants at the core of our being, this is God's desire for us, that our core identity would be what is called in Christ Jesus, that we would be seen as followers of Jesus, that God would stamp his identity on us. And at the end of the day, that's all that's really important. Like I said a little earlier during the dedication, you know, I'm, I'm a dad, and now I'm a granddad, right? And, and I can tell you, now that I've got some years under my belt, not, not just on my own behalf and my own goals and desires and what I thought was so important in life, but I can tell you what, what is so important to me now, not just for my own life, but, but for the lives of my children and for my grandchildren. It, it's one thing. The only thing that really matters is that they're in Christ Jesus. It, it doesn't matter how successful they are in, in life and business school, it, it just all I want, and, and I know this has to be the heart of the Father, is for them to be in Christ Jesus, because nothing else really matters compared to that. It doesn't matter, you know, how you identify in school, whether you're a gifted student, or you're just an average student, or you're a poor student. It, it, it's not really about whether you identify as an athlete, or someone who's in the band or in a club or, or as an outsider. It, it, it doesn't matter if, if you identify as popular or unpopular. 
doesn't matter if you identify as being really successful in, in your chosen career. doesn't really matter how you identify as, as married or, or single or divorced or, or widowed. Now, none of that really matters. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you identify as a parent or a grandparent or, or none of the above. It, it doesn't even really matter how you identify based on your gender or your sexual orientation or preferences. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if you identify as a, as a good Christian or not. You know what really matters? And the only thing that really matters is that you are in Christ Jesus, that you are a follower of Jesus. That's really, in the end, that's all that really matters. And I just wanted to share that um, with you this morning because if you don't grasp that, then, then nothing else that I say is really going to matter today. If you hear nothing else, know that the one thing that matters is that your identity is found in Christ Jesus. So, as I reflect upon God's goodness, you know, for, for me, I, simply knowing that I'm in Christ Jesus, that I've been adopted by him, I'm an adopted child of his, he has chosen me be, before the foundations of the earth, like that's enough for me, honestly. And it's probably enough for you too. But did you know that he has an inheritance waiting for you? Like he, he has this inheritance for us. Like if it wasn't enough just to be chosen by him, he says, no, I, I've got an inheritance for you too. Like it just keeps getting better and better and better. And so um, that's what I want to look at this morning, this priceless inheritance. Look at it again at verses 11 through 14 with me. And listen, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that's the truth, the good news, the gospel of your salvation. And you believed in him, you believed in Jesus, you committed to him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, his spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Did you see, did you hear that, that this little passage, it begins by talking about an inheritance and it ends with the inheritance, talks about this inheritance that is ours if we are in Christ Jesus. And an inheritance is, is something that we don't deserve, right? You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's just something that is graciously given to you. That's an inheritance, and that's what God offers us, this incredibly gracious gift. Now, how do you know if, if you're going to get the inheritance? Can you lose the inheritance? What is this inheritance that it speaks of? Um, I think these are important questions, and I want to try and illustrate how this all goes together here based on this passage, and I want to use an envelope to do that. So imagine, if you will, that's the wrong envelope. You're this envelope. Like, this represents you. So every one of you, including myself, those watching online, like, this represents us. We're all an envelope, right? And so the question is, because there's only 
two true identities. At your core, you're either in Christ Jesus or you're not. All right, that's your core identity. You're either in Christ Jesus or you're not. So how do you become known, identified, like you're the envelope, as being in Christ Jesus? Well, he gives us a little snapshot of that in verse 13. And he said this simply, In him, so in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the word of truth, so typically we would call that the Bible. When you heard the word of truth, it's also the good news of Jesus Christ. It said the gospel of your salvation, that's the hope, the good news of Jesus. He offers us new and eternal life and believed in him. See, that's how you become in Christ Jesus, that you commit your life to following after Jesus. Now, I'm trying to, to figure this out. So here, here we are as, as this envelope, and now we got to get this truth. So part of the truth is, is the word of God, but as we read this, we also learn that Jesus is the truth, right? That, that he is the way and the truth and the life, that he is the word that was made flesh. And so we need to get him in here somehow, right? And so that's a miracle how that happens. And so imagine that you have Jesus in you. Maybe part of the way you do it is by reading this and studying this, and it, and it begins to penetrate your very soul, and, and it begins to penetrate your mind and your heart. It affects how you think, how you feel, how you act. That's the goal. But all of us probably know somebody who has read this, even read it to the point that uh, they know it so well they can teach it. We see this in a lot of universities, right? If you ever take a religion course, you, you may not be being taught by a Christian, by a follower of Jesus. They just teach you the Bible, but it hasn't lasted. It's like it's come in and then it's fallen out of them. It hasn't begun to transform them. They have information, but it hasn't changed their life. So how do we make sure, because those people aren't in Christ Jesus, right? How do we make sure that this truth, that Jesus himself stays within us and transforms us so that we are identified as being in Christ Jesus. Well, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. It also talks about that in the rest of verse 13, if you look there, and it says, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So some of you guys are going to um, remember this. Some of you guys, especially some of the ladies here, maybe when you were little girls and, and you started writing letters, do you ever remember getting that hot wax like this? And then you would, you would heat it up and you would melt the wax onto the envelope. And then you would take like a signet ring like this. And then you would stamp it. That was your seal, right? Anybody, anybody remember doing that? All right. If you didn't do it, do you remember like watching TV or a movie, like in the olden days with kings, right, and conquerors, and, and when they were going to send something, they would melt the wax, and then they would put their seal on it, and that indicated that this was from the king himself, right? Everybody with me so far? Um, what that insignia, so this is the Trout's insignia. This is their coat of arms, and I, I had Debbie make me one of these. Here's a picture of what it looks like up close. Really cool coat of arms that you can, can see. But if uh, Rick, for instance, writes a letter, puts it in the en envelope, seals it, and then puts his seal on it, that indicates a couple things, right? 
It indicates security, that now everything that's inside here is secure, right? It is not easy to break that seal, is it? It also indicates identity, identity. Who's, who's this from? It's from the Trouts. That's their coat of arms. That's their seal. This is theirs. This is the identity that's been placed upon it. And so um, that's how it works historically. And this is the illustration that we're given in the Bible for how it works for us spiritually. So you have faith in Jesus. You hear the truth of Jesus. And then you believe in it to the point where you're committed to following it. That truth comes and it lives within you. And then it is sealed. The Holy Spirit comes because the Holy Spirit has to reveal that truth to you. Like you can read the Bible and it'll just be words on a page. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in it, all of a sudden it comes alive. If you haven't experienced that, just pray. Before you read the Bible next time and don't start at Genesis, it's awesome. But start at Matthew, like when Jesus comes on the scene. I say this all the time. Start reading. But before you start reading, just say, Holy Spirit, would you open my eyes to see the truth here? And when you do, and he starts revealing, all of a sudden, like the words are jumping off the page. It is speaking directly to you. And so that's, that's how he works. And then he, uh, when you commit your life, he puts that seal on you. He comes and he lives within you. He is that seal. And guess what? It's not going to be broken. You can't remove the Holy Spirit. Once he's in, he's in. And that's the assurance that's the assurance of salvation that we have. That's how we know we are secure because we have this seal. And that's also how we have our identity in Christ because God puts his own little coat of arms on us. His spirit is that insignia, is that stamp, is that seal. And when you're signed, sealed, then you're delivered in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Does that make any sense? All right, so that's, that's what's um, at play here, and that's, that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. It's a beautiful thing when it, it comes to pass. Now, if that weren't enough, <clears throat> within there are, are some promises. God outlines some promises in his word that are ours, and some of them can be realized right here and right now. As soon as you become a follower of Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus. You have his Holy Spirit. Some of these um, elements of the inheritance are yours to experience now. Some you're going to have to wait until Jesus comes again later on down the road, as it talks about in Revelation chapter 21. You can read about the new heavens and the new earth and how he's going to be king over it all, and he's going to redeem it all. So you can read about that. Um, Last week, we talked about the unity that's going to come about as, as um, Jesus is going to be the king, but he's also going to redeem and reconcile all of creation under him. That's in, in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 1. So that's, that's the fullness, that's the fulfillment that we have to look forward to of this inheritance that has been promised to us. And there's some different elements of it, some, again, that can be realized here and now, and some that will take some time until Jesus comes again and ushers all of this in until it's fully realized. So what are some of those elements? One is reconciled relationships. Wouldn't that be great if all of our relationships were reconciled? Like there's no more conflict, confusion. So reconciled relationships that's part of our inheritance reconciled relationship with god the father that's something we can enjoy right here right now 
reconciled relationships with other followers of Jesus. We can experience that right here, right now. And did you know there's also an aspect of a reconciled relationship with ourselves? You know, a lot of times we're at odds with ourselves. We don't fully understand ourselves. We're not completely comfortable with ourselves. And yet, that's part of the inheritance that is ours, something that we can begin to enjoy and experience right here and right now. So um, what we see is, is this greater sense of intimacy in the purest sense um, with God and with other followers and with ourselves. We see this understanding that comes about. And um, there, there's just a, a greater sense of trust between us and God, us and other followers, and, and even trusting in ourselves. Because some of us really struggle with trusting ourselves. And that's part of our inheritance. And it all is based on our core identity. When your core identity is in Christ Jesus and you really begin to understand who you are in Christ, who he has created you to be, well, everything else starts to fall in line. Those relationships become reconciled. It's something you can experience right here and right now, but fully look forward to in the future. Then there are um, realized fruit of the Spirit. That's one of my favorite things. So when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he brings all this fruit, you know, and I'm an eater. So I, I like eating. You know, I love the visual image of all this fruit there. And he says, you know, I got all of this. And if you want more, I have more for you. And I think we should be desiring more and more of the fruit because I think innately, inherently, that's what we long for, right? We think other things will achieve that for us, but it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can experience the realization of the fruit. Um, imagine this, and, and you can start to taste this right now, but in the future it'll be fully realized. Imagine love without hate. Imagine a world of love without any hate. A imagine joy without sorrow. Try and, and imagine peace without war. Or, or patience without frustration. Parents, imagine. No, seriously, like try and imagine. I'm still struggling on that. But patience without the frustration. Kindness, kindness without intolerance. Goodness without evil. Faithfulness without disloyalty. Mm. Gentleness without harshness. And self-control without unrestraint. Like, that's the fruit. And we can begin to taste of that now, but we will fully taste of it when Jesus comes again. That's part of our inheritance. Another aspect is redeemed creation. And so we will fully see this realized as we look at, again, Revelation 21 and Ephesians 1.10, when Jesus comes again and he establishes the new heavens and the new earth, and it's going to be pure. It, it, it's going to be um, without defilement. It, it's it's going to be without pollution. Um, there, there's not going to be anything improper, impure with creation. He's just going to redeem creation. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing to behold. And then there's resurrected bodies. I don't know about you, but um, I'm looking forward to that. You know, imagine a resurrected body that is free of disease. A resurrected body that is free 
of decay, a resurrected body that is free in the Lord. Like that's promised to us. That's promised to us, these resurrected bodies. And you know, we can even begin to experience some of that right now. Like, not that you're, you're gonna you know, drink this special potion and, and you're not gonna have any ailments anymore. I'm trying, I'm trying every potion out there right now. But, the, uh, but I'm talking about like a renewed heart, a renewed mind. Like God renews even your body in that way. That's what he's offering you right now. That's part of your inheritance. And so it's a beautiful thing, this inheritance that Jesus has purchased for us because typically you don't receive an inheritance until somebody dies. And that somebody who died was Jesus. And he died for you and he died for me. So we might have this new identity. And so that we might have this amazing inheritance, this priceless inheritance. Now, I got to say this, because a lot of times when I think about the inheritance, and even if I think about like the new heavens and the new earth and going to heaven one day and being with God, it becomes a selfish thing to me. Oftentimes, I think, yeah, I can't wait to get to heaven. You know, I'm going to be playing golf every day. It's going to be perfect out there. Or, or, you know, the days I'm not playing, I'm going to be laying on the beach. You know, like, like, that's going to be heaven. And it's so selfish. Have you ever noticed that? Like, what goes through your mind when you're thinking about, you know, ultimately heaven? To me, it's selfish. Hopefully, it's not like that for you. But, like, that is where my mind tends to go. But it's not supposed to be about me, my, and I. Did you know that? That's what I talked about last week. It's not about me, my, and I. It's about we, our, and us. And it's ultimately about bringing praise and glory to God. And I just got a glimpse of it yesterday. Some of my, my children, grown children, younger children, we, we were at, King, or at uh, Bush Gardens yesterday. And, and they were just all together, and they were just having fun. And I just, it just brought me joy. And, and I'm thinking as a dad, like, that's, that's what I, I just want to see my, my children come together. I want to see them having fun. I want to see them relating well with one another. And I thought, you know, maybe this is just a little glimpse of what the new heavens and the new earth look like. Maybe this is a little glimpse of what our true inheritance will be. And it's not all about me. It's not all about me. It's about our Heavenly Father. And so there you have it. That's our inheritance. It's signed, sealed, and delivered through Jesus Christ. And it's yours if you identify with him. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks. Thanks so much for a, a full morning where we're, we're celebrating the lives of new children and the blessings that they are. We're celebrating families and, and just the roles and the responsibilities they have. Um, Lord, we're celebrating the new life that we have in and through Jesus Christ, that our identity at the core is, is to be found in him and him alone. And everything else should, should um, come forth from that. Everything else is, is at least secondary compared to that. And so may that be true. In the end, may we truly, truly, truly understand this, that all that really matters is that we are in Christ Jesus, that that's where our identity ultimately is found. May it be so. We ask it all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.